0: You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I'm the author of the blog and teachers play teacher store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, This podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk, that jolt of inspiration you need to get your week going, your day going, and to just survive as being an awesome SLP that you are. So today I'm here with Kate Thompson from Speech Ease, and we're going to be talking all about AAC since that is not my jam, and you guys know that. So, Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Tell everyone a little bit about your SLP journey and how you became the SLP you are today.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a Australian speech pathologist. I graduated about ten years ago now from a bachelor at James Cook University. And I've always worked within the disability sector, so working with people across the lifespan, so children and adults who have trouble with complex communication needs. And so a lot of the work that I have done is around looking at AAC systems, assessing what might be the best system for them, helping them get the actual device in their homes and in their schools, and then implementing it as best as they can.
0: I love it. I love it. What would you say has been your biggest challenge thus far working with AEC clients?
1: Yeah, the biggest challenge I would say is helping people to understand how long it can take for there to be outcomes. Working with it. people who have support workers or carers or even families, you know, they really want progress and so they want to see that progress happen quite quickly. So really helping them to understand that it can take years before we get one word that the person is able to use independently and that that is okay. I think that's probably the biggest challenge. I find that most of the time, if it doesn't work within inverted commas, work within a month, they want to change the system. So really trying to explain to people that if we try and change the system every month, that's like trying to teach them Spanish in a month and then saying, well, that hasn't worked. So now let's teach them French for a month and now that hasn't worked. So let's go to how do they German, you know, and, <laughs> and that's not how any of us learn language. So really trying to help people to understand that it takes a while. I love that. I love that because we all want that instant gratification. So
0: we want to know that it's paying off and working. So what advice would you give to someone who's dealing with a parent who's saying, I don't want this device because I'm afraid they'll never talk or it's going to hold them back from eventually having some communication?
1: Yeah, that's a very common question that gets asked by parents. I always will state that you know, the research shows that there's no evidence that using AAC will stop somebody from learning to use speech. And then I talk a lot about how success breeds success. So if we, if a person is having trouble using verbal language and we give them a device that they can start using, if they start to get some success with communicating using a the device, then they'll be more likely to try and communicate again and again. And then once they're starting to get that success, then they might try to do something that's a bit harder for them, which is their verbal communication. And then if that works, then they will more likely to start trying to use that more and more. But like all of us, if we find that we are doing something and it's not getting anywhere, we're, you know, getting shut down or we're not getting our needs met or going to the gym and you haven't lost 10 kilos miraculously in (laughs) in one session, it's really hard for us to want to do that again. So much like for people with complex communication needs, if they're trying to communicate verbally and they're not getting their message across and it's not successful, they're not going to keep trying it long term. So we want to look at finding them a system or a toolkit that they can use in the meantime, get their message understood by others. And then with that success, that they'll start to try more complex versions of communication for them as well.
0: I love that. I love that analogy. And that's something parents and teachers and administrators can totally relate to and understand. I love that. What about people feeling that they need to start with low tech before they go to high tech?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting discussion. I see value in both. So I always recommend high-tech and low-tech because they both have their pros and cons. And with that, I also recommend no-tech. So I look at also including keyword sign or something for you guys, ASL, something that requires no-tech on you so that if you forget to bring your book or you forget to bring your device, you can still communicate. So I really come from a multimodal communication point of view. You know, Low tech is great for those times where it's raining or the device is broken or something like that. It's on flat. Devices do that. And so having low tech is really important so they can still communicate during those times. But then what low tech doesn't do is it doesn't get people's attention. So if this person is sitting or the student is sitting in their classroom and they're pointing to a picture on their book, but it's not generating any voice, they're, they're not alerting anybody around them to their teacher or to their peers. They can't get anyone's attention. So we need to make sure if we're using low tech that we're also giving them a way to initiate I have something to say and getting that across to everybody around them. Yeah, so I think there's a place for all of them and it's really good to give them that toolkit so that no matter what situation they're in, they can always communicate. I have actually had high tech devices being described as a person with autism because they're quite sensitive to the elements, you know, they don't like the hot, they don't like the cold, they don't like the rain, they, don't, <laughs> uh, they can't, you know, can't go in, into the bathroom and have steam or sand or anything like that, which I thought was a really great analogy of, okay. of you know, having, they've got some sensory processing challenges, devices, and, and so we I need love to be able to support them. <laughs> I love it. It's oh, yeah. so great. <laughs> what
0: advice or tips would you give to someone to determine the best system or device for their students?
1: Oh, well, that is a big question. There, there's, a, there's a lot out there. What we generally do or what I do with my team is we look at what is the person needing to communicate? So what are their communication requirements? And not just from a wants and needs point of view, but to communicate with their peers and to tell that funny joke or tell a story about something that they've done. What are their broad communication requirements? And then how are they meeting those currently? So are there some that they are able to meet without the use of a device? And if not, which ones do we need a device? And then really looking at the options that are out there. So you need to consider their access. Can they actually directly access the device using their fingers? Or do they need eye gaze or a switch access instead? And then looking at the types of visuals and whether they're able to recognize those visuals. uh, Well, not so much recognize, but actually see them. Mm -hmm. So do you need a high contrast symbol or not? And then from there, looking at all the different systems and what's going to be the easiest for that person. At the end of the day, I generally find the type of system you end up using doesn't always matter that much. So whether it's Prolo to Go on the iPad or a VAS or Pod or whatever the communication system ends up being, most of the time you just need to be implementing something and doing the same system all day every day for 12 months, 18 months, 24 months before you start to decide whether that's working for them or not. And the consistency of everybody implementing it is the most important.
0: I love it. I
1: love it. Do you have a favorite? Yes, I do. I am a pod girl. (laughs) So a pragmatic organizational dynamic display. But Gail Porter is actually based in Australia and she created them. And I do have a bit of a career crush on Gail and she's who I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) So, yeah, I do really love pod. What I love about it in particular is that it sets up your communication partner knowing what it is you're intending to say. So with a lot of the other systems, you need to be able to put together a full sentence to get your message intent across. Whereas a lot of our users, they start in single word. And so if they go to clock, for example, this has happened with a client of mine. He just kept navigating to clock over and over and over again, a teenage boy. And I, you know, assumed, as most of us do, that he wanted a clock. And I was like, Oh, you want a clock? Okay, we can let me go find something. I can pull down my clock. And then he would get really quite frantic with it and just keep hitting clock over and over and over again. And then I found that I, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out what he wanted because that's what I assumed he was trying to communicate was a request. So then I they went home, his parents brought him back in and they said, every time before we come to speech, he starts pressing on clock. Oh, that's so bizarre. We have nothing to do with clock in, in our session. I don't get what it is. And so I started to pay attention and I realised that the clock ticking was really loud in the room that we use, And what he was trying to communicate with me was that he didn't like the clicking (laughs) or the ticking of the clock. And so I obviously removed it. And then after that, it was fine. We never talked about clocks again. (laughs) And so because of human nature, we assume when somebody's communicating, they want something. But at the end of the day, most of us get our needs met and our wants met without us having to communicate those too much. But what we struggle to communicate is our comments and our opinions and our ideas and questions and all of those sorts of things, which is what I really love about the pod because it sets you up with that first. So because it starts with the pragmatic function, so you'll go to the pragmatic branches and it will say, I'm telling a story or I have an opinion or I think that. And so it starts with that and then you give the single word. So as the communication partner, you're not left guessing or trying to figure out what it is that they might want to say.
0: Wow, that's amazing! And is that something yeah. that because I'm not familiar with it,
1: that people put together
0: themselves, or is that something you can purchase on their website? Like,
1: yeah, so it's a it's a full system that you do need to have Boardmaker as well as the pod template to be able to print them out. So you can print them out. You can individualize them but you really shouldn't change any of the locations or add pages wherever you like because it does throw out how the system works so it's it is important that I would recommend if anyone is looking at doing a pod to do training first so that you understand how it was developed and why because the first time you come across one it might seem really convoluted and quite confusing but once you do the training and you understand why it was made how it was made it makes a lot of sense yeah so that's for a low-tech book so you can print out books but you can also get it on ipads and on dedicated devices as well
0: that sounds awesome and i love that thought like that we usually don't have to request like and we're so used to like especially with the uh, pecs like you're like requesting it's so so true thinking about motivation and making it more natural
1: yeah exactly and if someone's already getting their requests met why would they try to learn a new way of getting their requests met think that's just going to make things harder, so AAC should really be making their communication more effective, more efficient, not harder, which is if you're just focusing on requests, it's generally making it harder on them. Hmm. so
0: interesting. Do you have a favorite activity that you like to incorporate with helping a student learn how to use their devices?
1: I think functional is best, so really getting into their environments or going to places that they enjoy going to and modeling so rather than expecting them to use the device or setting them up to add in a word in the sentence or anything like that. Really just going along to whatever they enjoy and model, 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 model all the words that you're using, model the words that people are using around them so that they can find where the words are in their system and really following their lead and their interests. You know, I've done, like I said, I've talked about clocks more than I thought I would ever talk about in a session. I was on the total wrong path there, but I thought I was following his lead. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've worked with blocks. We've got some toys with pigs that you feed them burgers, mm-hmm. all sorts of things, just really following their lead and, and getting out into their environment. All
0: right. Do you have a favorite success story or like aha moment?
1: Yeah, I do. I feel like I tell this story a lot, but the boy that I was working with, he was about 10 at the time, and he had come into my sessions he had level three autism quite severe and he would come into my sessions and he would just rock when he first came in and put a blanket over his head and he really struggled to to assimilate I guess to this environment that he was now in and after a little while he started to engage a little bit with me and he loved playing with blocks so I would sit there and play with blocks and hope he would come and join me and eventually he did, he felt comfortable en- enough to do that. And I was modelling the colours that we were building with the blocks and I th- just thought all of a sudden, I don't actually know what he knows. You know, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to get to know him and what he does know. And I think it's always important with alternative communication systems that we assume competence and we assume that they've got the intellectual capacity to do what we need them to do. And so, you know, I just said to him, oh, what colour is this block? And he went to the colors page and pressed pink, and he was right. And I was like, okay, cool. That's you know could be a fluke, but I'm gonna wish him confidence. So that's that's amazing. And so I tried another color, and he got that one right, and another, and he got that right. And his mum burst into tears, and and she was like, I did not know that he knew his colors, and we've been working on this for years, and just absolutely beautiful to be able to show his family what he does know and and that he does have you know the cognitive capacity because they came in thinking he didn't know a lot and so that's probably my biggest success story and the thing that really like I get goosebumps from it every time because it's just so beautiful to show for him to show the world what he can't do and to have that voice and then his communication skyrocketed from there he's done incredible things since then which is so good
0: it's amazing love it yeah. that's such a great story.
1: Especially when yeah. like their parents were there
0: to see it and see the magic happen.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And for you know, for them to have that sigh of relief, I guess, or that moment for them and and for their son to have that connection now and to know that he does understand and he is listening and he's paying attention and yeah, he's he's done awesome things. It's great. It's amazing. Any other last advice for
0: someone who is feeling not confident and competent with dealing with these AAC clients?
1: Yeah, I guess the biggest thing is lean in and do it. I think for a profession as a whole, at the moment, we are not doing a great job supporting people who are nonverbal because people feel uncomfortable with AAC. And I think it it comes to we need to do more at the university stage and teaching people about AAC before they graduate. But it it needs to be a part of every every speech pathologist's daily bread and butter these days. And so I would lean in and give it a go and it's okay to make mistakes with the device and not know where all the words are. I think that's the biggest feedback I get is the speech team will say, but I don't know how to use the device yet. So how can I teach somebody else to use the device? And I say, well, that's beautiful because you can learn together and you can show that person that it's okay to make mistakes and need to go back and, and say, oops, I, you know, I got it wrong. I worked with this other teenage girl who with her device, she wouldn't use it because she was so afraid of making mistakes because nobody around her had ever shown her what to do if she did make a mistake. And it happened to be a device I hadn't had a lot of experience with. So I started to model and I was constantly fumbling around and going, oh, not there, go back, you know. And showing her that I make mistakes trying to communicate with this device all the time as well. And, and then she started to feel more comfortable to give it a go. So I think if you're feeling uncomfortable, others are as well. And, and that's okay. Just lean in and give it a go. And you'll never get... Better with AAC if you don't use AAC. You've just got to keep practicing like anything.
0: It's so, so true. The best advice I was ever given in terms of AAC was I should be talking with the device as well, modeling. Like it's not just their voice, it's our voice together when you're with that, you know, communicative partner.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not using it to communicate what you're saying, they're never going to know how to communicate what they need to say either. So much like we, teach babies to typically developing babies to use speech to communicate they see it all day every day around them and there's no way people with complex communication needs can learn to use an alternative system if they don't see people using it all day every day around them
0: so so true thank you so so much Kate where can everyone learn more about you and what you have to
1: offer yeah for sure so they can jump onto our website which is www.speaktouse dot next dot au and they can yeah find out about me i do one-on-one mentoring for people as well around aac if that's something anybody would like you know i know we have some time zone challenges but i'm happy to make it work and yeah happy to support however i can
0: thank you so so much kate this is amazing i know everyone's going to walk away with so many valuable tips and just that realization that it's okay to take time to make it work and that we have got to be patient and have that aha moment you can't assume anything i love it so I always end my episodes with a joke because jokes have a lot of language involved in it. What type of music are balloons scared of? Ooh, I don't know. Pop music. Ah. Uh-
1: <laughs> that, that's actually really good.
0: But I'm ching. All right. Thank you so much, Kay, for coming on the show. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Tell someone that you love that they should listen to this episode, send them a screenshot of it, share it with them. Because, friends, good SLPs let other SLPs know about good info that will keep you motivated. So, until next week, everyone, stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, It would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.